You're listening to On the Edge with Slash, hosted by former NFL quarterback Cordell Stewart. I'm Joe DeLeon, filling in as Cordell's guest co-host. Cordell, how are we doing today? Good, Joe. Good, man. Can't complain. A lot of good stuff going on uh, in the sports world, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, happy to be here, here with you again, Joe D, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Joe C. <laughs> One of the many Joes of Believe, and you mentioned that we've got some exciting things happening with sports this weekend for football fans. It is the official start of the NFL preseason. We had the Hall of Fame game, yeah. and now we actually have a full slate of preseason games coming mm-hmm. up this weekend, starting kicking off this Thursday. I'm excited to watch my Giants take on the, the New England Patriots. But Cordell, I, I always like to hear from cur- a former player's perspective on the importance of what these preseason games mean for preparation in the season. And the schedule has changed vastly since what it was like when you played. But from your perspective, what is that importance for these preseason games? I think it's time now to build your team um, around the nucleus of what you already have in place. Um, Obviously, you have a starting lineup. O-line, D-line, linebackers, um, receivers, quarterbacks, secondary. Now it's time to, be, time to build your roster with depth. You know, we have to figure out what the drafts, draft picks that they were that teams acquired uh, to free agents, uh, whether it be via trades or just being a total free agent. Um, they have to figure out how does this – measure up uh, when it comes to our team uh, being a part of this 2022 season by getting these preseason games in. Uh, The thing you'll find out is you won't see because now they've cut back on one preseason game and added one regular season game into the regular season is you're going to see more of the young guys get opportunities to play. And I think the more you get a chance to see them play, uh, the more you have an idea on how good your team can be for us from a depth standpoint. You have to, it's a rebuilding process every year, not in the sense of starting over, but more or less from a standpoint of adding on, adding to. And uh, this is a time where you want to give your veterans maybe a, a series at best, you know, because of the condensed schedule you have in the preseason. Uh, but it's really about the younger players guys who they hadn't had opportunity to see play. And most importantly, you get a chance to play against someone else. You've been in camp for the last, what, two weeks or so or more, and it's time to really start knocking someone else down or pushing someone else or become, causing someone else to become very irritated uh, because you're becoming an, an, an antagonizer, if you will, uh, when it comes to just steadily having to block and, and, and protect all day, every day. Uh, but it's fun to be able to do it against someone else. And uh, I think this is really that time where we're going to have an opportunity to see these young players that came into the draft for this quarterbacks, linemen, receivers, running backs, D linemen, uh, kickers, whatever the case may be, come in and display their talents and prove why they deserve to be on a football team in the National Football League. You mentioned that difference in the schedule. Now it's three games and then there's a, a pause in between starting the regular season. What is that difference like of removing that game? Is is that as impactful as as fans think it is, or, or players might deem it since they made that change? Is that impactful having that break before the season starts? 
Yeah, I mean, anytime teams go through the process of in the preseason, whether it's camp, adding on to the preseason games, to get a small window to recover. Because this sports is all about recovery, right? How does your team recover? Do they recover well? Um, whether it's injuries, whether it's fatigue, whatever the case may be. Do you recover well? Do you recover well? And yes, they've added one more game to the season, uh, but you still get that opportunity to get that bye week. You get some time off right before the actual season starts. And, and hey, when you take time off from work, kind of recharge the battery, doesn't it? Right. That's in football from a physicality standpoint and mental. You get a chance to do the hot tub, cold tub a little bit more, get some treatment on some issues that you may have had, uh, get the body adjusted, you know, with chiropractors, massages, just to kind of get the body prepared to go on a strong and strenuous run uh, to do some really remarkable things to help your team try to make it to the postseason. But, yes, anytime you get a chance to get some time off, because it's really not, 100% time off, but it's not the grind of, of having to show up uh, to get prepared for a game. It's, it's being able to, let's say, monitor how you move, getting up at a certain time, to having a chance to structure a week or so or a few days within that week, rather, uh, around family, right, because you're gone in camp for so much time. So those times off matter. People don't think so. You know, if you've never played the game, you know, on this level, uh, the game has changed compared to how it used to be. And even when I played, even our game at that time changed in comparison to how it was prior uh, to me coming in the league. But that time off matters, you know, and, 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 and I wouldn't take it away from the players. If they can get more, I'm more than sure the players will be even more excited. But uh, anytime you can say guys can get some time off, it's not 100% but it's more the physicality side than it is the mental side. Across the NFL, we're, we're going to get to see a lot of position battles on on various rosters, especially the always acclaimed quarterback battles that, that we get every season. And we've got a couple notable ones. The Steelers, the Panthers are, are the two biggest. The Saints quarterback situation isn't necessarily settled as well. Is there like a different level of preparation if you're in that situation, if you're one of those quarterbacks that has to compete for a starting job, or do you try to just treat it like it's a it's a normal training camp? Well, I, I tell you what, Joe, it's 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 your job, right? You know, um, it's your job to be prepared, and and of course, we could talk about an air conditioning room all day, what you should and should do. We can do that all day, every day. But the facts are, if you don't get the reps, if you don't get the experience. You know, that sounds great. Oh, he's a smart guy. He knows what to do. But boy, when I tell you, you got those big guys running at you and they're not slowing up to make those plays, all of that, what you thought you knew, gets challenged, right? So it's, it's, it's a situation where it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good evil, right? Meaning the good is you get a chance to watch and learn. And process, the evil is you don't get the experience. And sometimes as backups, when getting on the football field, those game plans are really scaled back for that player that has to come in off the bench. Because you're not getting reps at practice. You may get a few. And the reps that you're mainly getting in practice are the ones that are on scout team. They're not with the first team offense. So, and or sometimes even with the second team offense. 
You know, you're going to have to run a two-minute. Say, for example, the game that we get ready to watch this Thursday is going to be one where you have to sit here and if you're the starter, not the starter of the team, but if you're the starter for that game and say you're the backup, you're probably going to get a chance to run the first half and then run the two-minute offense. How often do you think the backups and the third-string quarterbacks get a chance to do two-minute drills? Not often. So, you know, it's, it's really not off. The backups don't do it often. The first teamers do it. The backups really don't get. So this is their time to shine and get those real reps. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they're coming off the bench frozen, like they've never gotten a rep. But the rhythm and the flow of how the offense is run and how the plays are being called, even in practices on, on the scripts, whether it's seven on sevens, uh, whether it's play action pass drills, whether it's 11 on 11, uh, where there's kickoff, punt return, whatever team is up that's trying to emulate what it may look like in games coming, um, those are the only reps you get. And so the time that you, you have a chance to get on the football field to take those reps live, those are some very, very important reps. So you have to really prepare as if you're the starter. And that's one thing I can say dating back to college. Les Steckle, uh, he was – the head coach for the Bears back when they – not the Bears, for the excuse me, for the New England Patriots back when the Bears went to the Super Bowl. Uh, he was a tight ends coach for Shannon Sharp, Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp with the Denver Broncos. He then became my offensive coordinator in 1992 at Colorado. And he's always said every guy on the roster is a starter. Psychologically, you have to be prepared psychologically to know that at any moment, your time is up to play. Mm-hmm. And I've always walked around like that, literally growing up as a kid, like I was better than the guy in front of me. I'm just, that's just a competitive spirit that I've had within myself as a competitor uh, to say, hey, I may not be starting, but I got to get myself prepared. I mean, think about it for yourself when playing sports, play football, right? Yeah. If you weren't the starter, how often were you sitting there just not paying attention and just saying, well, he's a starter. I'm not getting a chance. How often did that happen for you? Well, I was a long snapper, so I wasn't paying attention a lot. Hey, you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yes, I know. I do know what you mean. That it, There's a different level of awareness when you're not in those situations. And I remember when I was a freshman, I had the anticipation that I was going to start right away. And that wasn't the case. And as soon as I wasn't, I not that I didn't care as much, but I wasn't paying attention to those first team reps. Right, right, and that, and that's the thing is that's how guys get caught off guard. In your case, it's a little different. Yeah, right. You have to hit whoever it is you're snapping it to in the hands every time. So there's really no math in that, right? Other than just get it to him. Don't get yeah. it too high, not too low. You might want to get it to his right side if he's trying to pooch punt it to the right, or to his left side if you can aim it properly mm-hmm. to pooch punt it to the left or whatever. Uh, and also knowing his, the the coverage and you know where you need to be, which I definitely messed up a good amount of times as a there, freshman. There you go. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So it's all relative, right? So you 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 can't sleep on your job, basically. And uh I think this preseason with with the backups, you know, how much information have they retained? It's gonna show starting the preseason when it comes to them not being able to get the reps during practice as much because of starter, they try to split it up equally. They try, they try to split, especially if there's really not a competition at for the starting job, but the backup, 
far as keeping guys on the roster, because they may have four guys on the roster, most teams, three to four guys on the roster uh, when it comes to training camp. But this is going to show who's actually been paying attention and who's not paying attention. Again, you have to remember too, Joe, from what I've seen over the years, there's never really been pressure in that first preseason game, right? Blitzing. Some people may bring an extra guy every once in a while, being a little snobby about it. You know, you'll see the coaches on the other side of the field, you know, look, like, what are you thinking over there? That's not what we <laughs> talked about. But then you get it to where you know about that second or third game of the preseason, now you're seeing the house starting to come. Safeties are coming from up high, blitzing between the, between the, uh, the linebackers. You know, the defensive end is coming off the edge with a stunt, you know, with a strong safety coming off the edge on the outside of that stunt. You know, guys coming from the boundary, you know, on the near hash. You're going to see things like that as the preseason goes along. But I don't think you'll see that early. So to be pretty vanilla, but, you know, give the guys from a basic standpoint, get a chance to get the foundation and the basis of what the teams are running defensively and offensively and special teams as well to give them a chance to see if they can make the team. And a lot of these quarterbacks might not get the starters, might not get a lot of reps early on in these in these preseason games. They'll gradually get worked in. But one of the things that's really been intriguing to watch is the development of the quarterback position over the past two decades. There's been a surge of getting to see quarterbacks that have a lot more athleticism, a lot more mobility, guys like Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, guys like that that have high impacts for their rosters, for their contributions. From your perspective, being a guy who, when you played, you were mobile, you used your athleticism as an asset in in your the way that you played the game. How do you think that that mo- mobility impacts performances and how these guys can play the position? I think it, 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 it impacts them tremendously from a standpoint. The game is, is, is evolutionary, right? Meaning it's it's a cycle. It's constantly just keep evolving and evolving. It doesn't stop. It just steadily keeps turning. And what you learn is, is you build up or you try to correct what you didn't do well the year prior. Example, the AFC Central with myself, Steve McNair, Jeff Blake and company, we were mobile quarterbacks if you will, early on in the 90s when I first had the opportunity to start and be a part of it. Uh, this was right before Tennessee the Tennessee Titans became the Tennessee Titans. This was the Oilers before they turned into the Titans. Within that division, the competition would be very, very stiff, right? Um, throughout the conference, you try to get the balance, right? Like what's the hot thing? Peyton Manning was the hot thing in the AFC for a very long time. And you had Tom Brady, who was a hot thing in the AFC for a long time. And that became kind of the standard, if you will, far as winning, because there was winning the AFC championship. They were going to the Super Bowl. But in the AFC, what was winning? Steve Young style, slash Troy Aikman, slash Joe Montana. But then you had the Donovan McNabb, who went to four straight AFC NFC championship games. Uh, you end up having Michael Vick that came along, Aaron Rodgers that came along. And all these guys within NFC were mobile quarterbacks. So you end up finding out that these court mobile, it's like it's a, it's a copycat league, right? So the question becomes, what fits the bill in those conferences? Well, 
the build without the National Football League now has become mobile quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, um, Andrew Luck, even when he was before he retired, Andrew Luck, to Ben Roethlisberger, even. Um, and so that mobility caused defensive coaches to have to go on the other side to get the mobile, not the mobile, but the agile, if you will, defensive linemen. Guys who are running four sixes in the 40 at 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, 275, 80 pounds. I mean, come on, man. That's a freak of nature, right? So we have to have the balancing act, and it keeps evolving over time. You have to have a mobile quarterback in the game. If, you, if you're caught up into the old school theory of you have to be a certain height, you, 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 you have to be able to stand in the pocket all day and make the throws, that, that has now become a myth. It, it doesn't really exist to that extent other than Tom Brady being the GOAT and continue to be able to do it. Do you think that necessity for having a mobile quarterback comes more from that increased athleticism from edge rushers and the, the, the build and the change in the build where it seems like it's a lot more smaller, quicker guys? You got most definitely guys that are running four fours, or do you think it's from a decrease in quality of offensive line play? Like there's been some step backs and and difficulties in finding developed offensive linemen in the current NFL. I don't think it's like that anymore to that extent. You know, blocking was an issue with the Cincinnati Bengals last year. You know, Joe Burrow was getting hit more than anybody in the National Football League. We saw that in the Super Bowl last year against the Rams. There were, he was getting annihilated throughout the entire season, basically. Uh, he was a mobile quarterback. His ability to move, we've seen him multiple times, whether it was in college at LSU uh, to in the league, running when needed to, being able to do it effectively and efficiently, do it with the level of confidence that when getting up, you have that swag. And, you know, Joe Cool was just getting it done. You have to be able to run. And it's, I don't think it's main, I don't think it's because of, per se, the lack thereof up front. Because Joe would do it anyway. Yeah. Even if even if he did have protection when it was time to take off, he did. Uh, when he was protected, I just think the the lay of the land when it comes to defensive ends coming off the edge, running the way they're running, linebackers blitzing, stunts that are being created. You got to get from the line of scrimmage. The ball got to get out of your hand fast. You have to be able to get up. You know, like we say in the running game, get north and south is how we like to say it all the time, right? Let's stay ahead of down and distance. How Chan Gailey, who was my coordinator there in Pittsburgh for many years, uh, always used to tell me all the time, let's stay ahead of down and distance. I don't care how we do it. Let's just stay ahead of down and distance. It may not be pretty all the time, but to try to throw the perfect pass and sit in here and miss it at se- and be second and 10, let's miss the wide open guy and scramble and make it second and six because we can make that up somewhere down the road. You know, and, and, and I think that philosophy – exist today when it comes to the mobile quarterback keep the change movement i don't care it just if you can keep it going if your backup is better or you found a a quarterback that could just sit in the pocket who's better put him in but me dating all the way back to the 90s when this style of play was being done at at an effective level to where it wasn't as appreciated and talked about as well as it is today, if you don't have that, you're in trouble. 
If you don't have that mobile quarterback, it's not going to happen. Even Tom Brady has the mobility to move when needed to make sure plays are still alive and, and not forcing the throw. So this, this, this notion that in the past that mobile quarterbacks or the one that was the athlete should play other positions or uh, uh, run too much or he needs to sit in the pocket longer, you be the person that sit in the pocket and feel that pressure coming, have blind spots in your throwing lanes to where you can't throw it, but need to make a play, but your quarterback can. That's a problem. To me, that's a problem. The quarterback has to move today. So a lot of these guys, it feels like a lot of these mobile guys sometimes aren't properly utilized. And I think like a really good example is, is Mitch Trubisky, who in Chicago, they were asking him to do things that he just – was not capable of. I think the best current example is Tua with the Dolphins, who has had struggles and in the previous regime was asked to do a lot of things that he's just not good with. He doesn't have that that ability to drive the ball down the field as much as some other guys do because he's more mobile, he's more accurate in shorter areas. What do you think is like the reason for coaches maybe being unwilling to work with those traits? And like, how can we work past that if that if that makes sense you make a move to get Mitchell Trubisky in the top four picks in the draft making a trade with San Francisco to grab him I think it was second second player taken correct me if I'm wrong yeah, he was draft. second yep yes okay so Chicago goes from third to second San Fran goes back to third there's a reason why you grab Mitchell Trubisky only they know those reasons all we could do as spectators is assume they were going to play to what he knows how to do best. Now, coming out of North Carolina and playing 13 games, 12 to 13 games uh, wasn't enough for me to say I would get it, make a trade to grab somebody that early, but that's what they did. And the problem that I've seen over the years, being that player, being that coach here in high school, is trying to make a player be something he's not. We're never going to make Tom Brady a mobile quarterback. We're never going to make Peyton Manning a mobile quarterback. We're never going to ask uh, Bradford there with the LA Rams to be a mobile quarterback. We're never going to ask those players to be mobile quarterbacks. We're going to allow them to be themselves. Why? Because that's the traditional way of how to coach the game. Mike Tomlin, I think I saw him on a show one time talking about how you know, coaches have tendency sometimes to make it seem as if it's the player. And he begged the difference. Was like, what about us as coaches? It's 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 our inability to be able to get these players to buy in, let alone play to the level in which they need to play on. Not from a standpoint of what I want to see, but what can best make him play fast and with confidence, right? Change is something that we see all the time happen in the National Football League when they're trying to make a player do something. Like myself, I can remember being in Pittsburgh way back in the 90s. And I said it like it was a long, long time ago, but it doesn't seem that way. But since it's 2022, I can say a long time ago, 22 years ago plus. You have coaches that came in that wanted to try to make me sit in the pocket. And I get you want to see certain things happen. But the game was always natural to me when I had success. It was always natural. Colorado, 
I threw for 1,100 plus yards to Charles Johnson. I threw for 1,000 yards to Michael Westbrook in the same season. And that was my first season starting on the collegiate level in my very first game against Colorado State. That is what that was at home in Boulder. And for someone to say I was a very option quarterback, yes, I could go out and run it. I had the ability to do it. I just had the talent. But throwing it across the yard was the thing, right? You get to the National Football League. You get excited about a player. You bring him in early, particularly a mobile quarterback. And you want to make him be something that technically that doesn't come natural to him. Now, of course, you want him to keep his eyes downfield. That's why you draft him, because you saw him keep his eyes downfield. He made the throws. He read the defense. He made the right reads. He got it wherever he needed. And if he saw he needed to make a play with his feet, he did. Tim Tebow. That's a very different circumstance. <laughs> that was the he extreme. He couldn't throw. <laughs> that was the extreme measures of not being able to change a player to just letting him be himself with the deficiencies he had into being consistent in throwing the football. I don't know because his arms are too big. I don't know what it was. But, you know, it. the last five minutes, he beat the Steelers in the postseason not so long ago. And that's been the story for him. But no one tried to change him. And my thing is, is, even though they – I know he went to Philly and they try to put him on special teams and do some other fullback stuff, and I get all that. But in the end, you just have to – if you draft a player high in the draft, you have to let him be who he is. Mitchell Drabisky, the book is out on him on what that is. I think Pittsburgh's a good place to allow him to, to find himself. They won't rush him or force him to be something he's not. Because you have a Najee Harris – who will be the piece of the puzzle. I mean, he was Mr. Everything on offense last year, whether it's catching it, whether it's running it, whether it's yards up with the catches to yards rush, everything. He's going to have to stay healthy. But just give him a chance to be who he is. He's going to run around and make plays with his feet. He throw the ball adequately enough. He's good. It's not bad. It's not, it's not like he can't throw the football. The question becomes, is he capable of identifying what it is he needs to identify to be able to get the ball out of his hand effectively. Because, see, that's a difference. Does he know how to throw? And does he know where to go with the football? If you know where to go with the football, by anticipating they be of the fronts and the coverages, you can anticipate after watching film what's coming. So when you talk about the speed of the game, that's because defensive players and offensive players anticipate certain by seeing certain looks what's about to happen. Then the ball comes out of their hands fast. Or then the break on the ball as a DB happens quick. Or that lineman reaching and having the proper angle and knowing where that scraping line Mike linebacker wants to go and beating, me to, beating him to the point because I know where my guy is going. I know where you're trying to get to as a defensive player. So all of that encompasses a level of comfort, a level of understanding, a level of transparency when it comes to me knowing what my players know how to do. I'm not going to turn, you know, I'm not going to take this circle and put it into a square peg and try to force it, knowing it doesn't work. You take the circle, brick or, or rock or wood, and you put it in a circle peg, and you, you, you let it mesh. And if it doesn't mesh, we got to go somewhere else. 
and try to make it work until it meshes because this is what we chose to bring in and give a chance to give money to. So, you know, we can't let coaches off the snide. We can't let scouts off the snide. We can't let the players off. But they're trying to work together to make sure that what it is I do best works. And when that happens, that's when guys play fast. That's when you see championships. That's when you see confidence. You see that swag. You see that arrogance that you need to be on the football field playing against guys that's trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do, which is win. And I think that's a big reason why I'm so optimistic for Trey Lance. I remember watching him. I watched a lot of him in college when he was at North Dakota State, and he mm-hmm. is a really freaking good athlete. Downhill runner. Yeah. You're trying to pull that out of him so he's not – running all the time, but he was primarily a guy that was run first. They had a lot of design quarterback powers at North Dakota State that they would ask him to do, but you're putting him with Kyle Shanahan, who has notoriously been the guy who's, okay, let's use his skill set to our advantage, and he also likes to use guys and move the offense and get creative with the movement of the offense. I, I think Trey Lance, like, like we're talking about the the downfall of Trubisky, who had so many struggles. The flip side of this, I think Trey Lance is in a in a perfect situation, in a spot where he can actually flourish. And what you're talking about, where he's just out there playing ball instead of asking him to be a drop back, five step quarterback on every single down. Yeah, um, Shanahan knows how to. The Shanahan family, I'll say that they know they know how to get the most out of their players. They run the zone offense, right? You know, you, you stretch it, you stretch it, stretch cut back for the running back. Offense, get the ball out of your hand, move the quarterback in the pocket. Kyle Shanahan has, I thought, being in Atlanta, with what he did with the Atlanta Falcons, to now what he's been able to do with the 49ers in a short span of time has been pretty darn good. Uh, he and John Lynch have have really put it together there in San Francisco. I think when you think of what they have in place, he's a mobile quarterback. Now, what's too much running? I remember playing with the Washington Redskins going back to 97 after I sprained my knee in the postseason. I had a brace on my knee. And uh, I remember rushing for 105 yards and passed for 98, and we won the game. We weren't complaining because we, we got something in the win column. Now, if I plan on having that type of track meet all year long, you better believe. Uh, <laughs> they may move me to tailback real quick. But <laughs> – but if it's helping us win, why fix, Why mess with it? Allow it to, de- to develop over time. Don't just say, you know, you can't run that much. You, 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 eh. What are you running? I had a coach tell me one time when we were playing against Jacksonville on the road in 99. And uh, I remember coming in and, and, and playing, I think it was 2000. And uh, I was filling in because one, one of the starting quarterback and King Graham was hurt. And I remember stepping up in the pocket. It was two man. 22-man. What I mean by two-man, got two safeties up top, corners down low. All those guys are playing man coverage underneath. Linebackers are covering my backs. The receivers on the outside are covered by the corners, and the two safeties are getting wide. Two-man. Nobody's in the middle of the field. So I drop back, and I get, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to throw the ball to my right-hand side to my under route, which is flexible bursts, but I couldn't see him because my right tackle was – I couldn't see. So I'm not throwing it blind. So I try to step up, and as I'm stepping up, I'm stepping up to find him, but the clock is ticking in my mind, right? So I step up, run through the middle, scamper, 35-yard touchdown. We're up in the game. Go to the sideline, phone rings. Coach says, 
Why in the bleep bleep you running? I look at the phone. I put it on the phone. On the phone. <laughs> how did that? How did that end? Well, because you're 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 not you're not saying good run, right? You're not saying nice touchdown, great job of identifying whatever. Tell yeah. me what you're thinking. What happened? It was why in the bleep were you running? Which is a ridiculous reaction. Wait, but so what did he phone. do when you hung up? Like that's he probably what is he going to do? Right. What are we going to do? I don't not, not talking to him. He's up in the booth. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. But then got another phone call. Say, hey, from another coach. Hey, great job. That's the way you make a place. Keep your head in the game and keep playing. I didn't pay none of it any mind. I was in my space and in my zone. I don't get caught. You score a touchdown. You're you're being yelled at or cursed out or disrespected in some capacity for scrambling to make a play because you can't see where you want to throw the ball because sometimes your linemen are bigger than you. These are big people. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see it all the time. What, what the bleep bleep are you running for? <laughs> that, I, that's, I promise you. That's so funny to, to hear that not that long ago, coaches were getting upset over moving to make a throw, but now that's all that's encouraged. Like you're bringing in college coaches to to, to teach schemes that, that thrive off of that. And that's why you're bringing in college coaches because they need these guys to teach these kids that they're allowing to play on that level in college football today. Because the, the, the old heads, if you will, the traditionalists of the National Football League can't identify that as well as those college coaches are. I think that's why you're seeing the landscape of coaching derives around those college coaches coming into the National Football League to coach these players. Um, that are different than what we were back then. And for me, I'm just like, it's one thing for you to run and you miss a guy wide open because your head is down because you're looking at the rush as opposed to standing in the pocket, make that throw off and hitting your back foot and making it happen. And he's wide open for a game winner. Mm. I can get that part. And it's not so much you're going to come down on him, but you're like, what the hell were you thinking? Right? He was wide open. Come on. That happens every once in a while for every player, even for the non-mobile quarterback. Guys who like to sit in the pocket all day and have nachos. Even those guys, you know, have to deal with um, sometimes missing a guy wide open. But the game today is about getting out of the way. Guys are getting upfield too fast for us to be lollygagging. Miles Garrett, I mean, think about him coming off the edge for the Cleveland Browns. Come on, dude. It's re- it's it's reckless abandonment. I mean, it's like it's it's all intention, intended purposes to do something harmful to you. And I am told to stand there and take that hit. Sometimes you will. Don't misinterpret it. But to be questioned, because you just scored a touchdown, you're up in the game. Everybody's celebrating. It's a celebratory moment. You hear the phone rings. You think you're about to get some wings brought from upstairs or, you know, and a Dr. Pepper or something with a napkin because you did so good. But you get the, oh, what the hell were you thinking? What the bleep bleep you were? I'd hope that coach didn't last very long. He after didn't. That. He didn't. Not because of me, but, I mean, well, the mentality. you just can't. Uh, it, it was horrible. Yeah. Believe me, it was not good. Um, but, you know, I digress from that portion of it. But it's just you, you have that – you used to have that mentality 
on the forefront of why coaches weren't allowing or drafting early the quarterback. Think back when Kyler Murray was drafted. Undersized. Uh, literally a true definition of a Tegmo Mobile Nintendo video game type player in the sense of how he moves. He doesn't get tired. I mean, two-way player. I mean, he could have played baseball, two-sport player. I think he could have went, what, ninth in the draft? I yeah, he's not eighth or ninth to, to Eighth the or ninth in the draft in baseball. Yeah. But then he gets the Heisman Trophy, plays very well at o- Oklahoma. Outstanding job, literally. Um, I remember the game on ESPN. They played against West Virginia and how great that game was on the road in West Virginia. Uh, to get to the National Football League as the number one pick overall, that just let me really know the landscape of how this is. This game is being uh, looked at. It's totally different than what it used to be. Um, and so to see it now where it is, I love it. And the funny thing is, just so you know, J.D., just so you know, the way I play the 90 is standing the test of time. So I'm feeling pretty good. About myself <laughs> right now. Standing, it wasn't a fly by night and just a, you know, an experiment. This stuff is real. I, this is, I stuck to my guns. I played the game the way I love to play the game. I did what I wanted to do on a football field at will. Went against the best, had some success. Went against the best and had some horrible losses. That's a part of the game. Uh, you come in in 95, play the slash role. You go to a Super Bowl. You're, you're, you're touching the ball in every way possible to help the team win. We had a phenomenal time. Got a chance to play quarterback. Went to two AFC championship games uh, and have an opportunity to start four full seasons out of six. Went to two AFC championship games within that. Had multiple coordinators. Can't complain. Not upset. Not frustrated. But just saying, you know what? It feels pretty good to see the game being the way it is today. To where you got Kyler Murray going number one overall at 5'9", running around on the football field. You got Russell Wilson, who came from North Carolina State, uh, wanted to play baseball. Coach basically tried to make him change position to play safety. He ends up uh, leaving, end up going to Seattle, uh, end up making a mark there for himself. Uh, to other players, Michael Vicks, the Donovan McNabbs, the Andrew Lux, the Josh Allens, the, 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 the Ben Roethlisberger's, all those guys. Um, you're seeing a litany of quarterbacks today uh, that are playing a game in a way that Lamar Jackson, prime example, are people have this debate about should he get a big contract? Are you kidding me? You take him out of that organization, it's over. And then what people don't understand is as a young quarterback, it's truly hard to throw the ball in the middle of the field. You notice they throw a lot of hitches on the outside, slants, curls, goal routes, comebacks, a few across the middle, maybe post routes, dig routes. But very seldom those crossing routes you see or those receivers dragging. Lamar Jackson did that better than most over the past couple of years when it came out because he was throwing it to his tight ends and guys coming across the field all the time. Yeah, And that's not easy throw because they're moving parts in the middle, just like you see my hands, just like this. There's a lot of moving parts. And he did it all the time. Because he runs so well, he throws the ball, in my mind, just as well. He throws them on a dime pass more times than not. You tell me which quarterback that's not a mobile quarterback is throwing the ball very good every single week. Not, I mean, what's oh, going man. on in Minnesota? Uh, 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 what's, what was going on in Chicago before Fields came? Like with Mitchell Trubisky. I'm just saying, even before that, 
the musical chairs they had going on there. What, what about even down in Miami before Tua got there? Like, like there's so many places we can point out that have, that aren't as effective passing the football, right? Lamar Jackson is effective. He's getting his team to the postseason. He's the MVP of the National Football League. You know, give the guy a chance to just make his own mark and move and, and play the way he needs to play. We always want to compare him to someone else. Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. He is who he is. Okay. And he plays it a little different than most. Get that man his money, let him play, figure out how we're going to analyze what that looks like as far as his style, because they're still trying to find the next slash, right? They're still, still trying, trying to find him. I mean, Tate's, they're still trying to, I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to take that, <laughs> they're trying to take that model and place it somewhere and figure out how to tag it. There's only this, there's the one off. There will be no more. Okay. There, there's a one-off. And I, and I say that with all true sincerity, 75 touchdowns thrown. Okay. Coyle, what are you talking about? They're throwing 40 to 50 touchdowns a year in two years. They're killing that. Well, okay. But what about 35 touchdowns? Rushing with the 75. Oh, Cam Newton. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. You got me. Well, what about five catching? No one, no athlete in the game has ever done it. And they'll never have to mimic that or do that again. Remember, I said it's a one-off. Yeah. It will never – no one has caught – quarterback has caught five, ran 35, and thrown 75. All those numbers together. Don't break them. Don't, that's the only trifecta in the game. <laughs> I'm the only quarterback with a trifecta that triple left the crown. game as a QB. I'm a triple crowner. That's the only one. Remember that. There's only one triple crowner here. That's me. 75 throwing, 35 rushing, and five receiving. Again, somebody's going to say, well, you know, we had Steve Young and we had, you know, Cam Newton who put up 40. Okay, 75. Okay, he did. All right. But what about the five catching? Pretty, pretty high. You can't. I'm not letting us throw it. This is my we're, – we're together here. On the on the edge here with slash, we're on the, we're we're together here. So I'm not letting that one slide, Jody. I can't <laughs> let that one get away like that. That so now when you implement that into the game today, if coaches are creative enough, you can get that. You can do that. You know what I mean? I mean that's that that's just that's football 101. You don't you, you don't have to re, re, reinvent the wheel. That's what I love about Mike Malarkey, Chan Gailey. There were a lot of great things that that that. Kevin Gilbride added to the system, I would say, uh, from a passing standpoint. We were doing a lot of that stuff in college with Les Deco. We were doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, when getting to the National Football League with some of the nuances that he added into the fold, that, 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 that's good. You know, that was some good stuff. I mean, today, now, I, you can say that they may be doing some stuff like that, not as extreme, because that was the run-and-shoot style offense back in that era. Um, but, you know, just let the players be themselves. Let the players, you draft them, figure it out. Because I was a coach. The only reason I can say it because I was a coach and I, I know the talent at quarterback that we had. And some of the kids didn't know some stuff. Some of the kids did know. Some kids could do certain things good. Some kids couldn't do too much of anything well. But we found ways to make it work. And it did for us. And we had some success doing it. Cordell, I think that's a good note to wrap us up on. Got a lot of great conversations here about the quarterback position and the involvement that we've had. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit that 
subscribe button wherever you're listening or if you're tuning in on the YouTube channel. Cordell, as always, thank you for uh, for sharing those amazing thoughts and stories on today's episode. We'll be back with more. All right. All right, JD. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.